folks, it's time for Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show about the crucial political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and the nation at large. Join us for a stimulating, thought-provoking discussion. You'll get the facts as we focus on the challenges facing everyone. Good morning. I am Kathy Kinsella, not Steve Williamson. I am happy to be here sub-hosting today and very happy to welcome our guests. Leslie Hoffman is our county recorder and Lynn Constable is the Yavapai County Elections Director. Thank you both for being here. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So the function of the recorder's office... Um, varies and i know that we're going to talk about elections we're going to discuss all things elections today but we wanted to understand a little bit about the the relationship between your two offices and more a little bit about what the recorder's office does because you do a little bit more than the elections yes our jobs are completely separate on the recorder side my position is elected and i take care of all of the recorded documents most of those being real estate transactions and have to be sure that those are kept in perpetuity for the public so they're kept forever and nobody ever talks about that but that's a really special part of the job because the history of this county is in my hands oh and i really love that and then there is the voter registration side so the signing up of voters for voter registration maintenance of the rolls and then we have the 27-day early voting period. Everybody knows you can go 27 days before any election and vote early in person. And then we take care of all the mail-out ballots. Send all those out to 80% of our voters in the county. And then when those come back, we signature verify. And at that point, then they're transferred to the elections department. So that's a real, oh, that's a 30,000 foot of what the recorder does. Oh, so and then the elections department, um, could you tell us how that runs? A I bit? can. Um, so the elections director is an appointed position. I'm not elected. I will never run for office. <laughs> um, and I was appointed by the Board of Supervisors, and I report to the Board of Supervisors. And what the elections department does is we take in all the candidate filings. We design uh, the ballot, uh, all the ballot styles for the county. So you get to vote on uh, what, wherever you live. You get to vote on uh, the things in your area, like fire districts and water districts and other, uh, even the Board of Supervisors are in districts. And then we uh, transfer ballots over to Leslie to mail out. And we also do the in-person election day voting. So all the vote centers throughout uh, Yavapai County, we set up, we hire all the poll workers, we train them. And you can vote on election day. And then when, once we get all the ballots back from both Leslie's side and from the vote centers, we count all the ballots. So we do the tabulation and we do the results reporting. Oh. Well, you've both held your positions for quite some time. Leslie, I think you've been in office for nine and a half years. And Lynn, you've held your position for 17 years. <laughs> yes. Well, you must have seen some interesting things in all that time. What are the highlights? Ah, uh, well, so elections yeah. are um, like giving birth. <laughs> you, you, you forget the bad parts and you remember the good parts so that you keep going and doing more. Right. So how did last year's election rate uh, along that? We can't forget the bad parts. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they still get brought up like daily. Right. Um, the good part is in the middle of a pandemic, we had the biggest election in history. Our voter rolls just exploded. In we the were, county? Yes. Okay. Yes, and we had the highest turnout in the state. Of course, Yavapai County gets to boast that all the time. We brag every chance we can about that. But the turnout was amazing. We had COVID to deal with. 
from the early voting to Lynn's in person and and when it was all over, all the audit was done, everything came out perfect. That's great. So not some of the drama and the never-ending election that we've seen going on in some other parts of the state as well as other parts of the country. Yeah. Yeah. That's very disheartening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's always a lot of uh, focus on presidential or governor elections. But there's, you have elections every year, right? All the time, yeah. Up to four times a year we can have an election. So we wow. have them in March, May, August, and November. And this year we had an August election for the city of Prescott and the town of Dewey Humboldt. So we just got done with one um, last week. Mm-hmm. So you, that, how long does it take to wrap up an election as opposed to last year's never-ending election? <laughs> so with the on-the-ground elections, the midterms and the presidential cycles, it takes about a month to wrap it all up. But when we have uh, smaller elections like the city of Prescott, um, we're pretty much wrapped up um, last week. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, So about a week after the election, we're pretty wrapped up. We have everything done. Um, but those are uh, all vote-by-mail Mm-hmm. So that does make uh, administering them a little bit simpler. Well, it's a lot of ballots. It's a lot of votes. It's mm-hmm. a lot of work. How many voters do we have in Yavapai County? Right now we have over 165,000, and that goes up and down. It was up to over 167 before the presidential, before the general. And then people drop off and they move. They mm-hmm. uh, expire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they pass. And, yeah. how, and how do the voters break down by party? We have, what, I think, three registered, recognized parties. We've got Democratic Party, the, the Republican Party, and the Libertarian Party. Yeah, and they are recognized in Yavapai County as well as statewide, um, so all three of them. And I believe the Green Party is going for recognition this next year for for the 2022 cycle. And how does a party get recognition? They have to actually um, circulate petitions um, and get people to sign that, you know, they want a new party, a uh, Green Party. And then to keep recognition, they have to get uh, people to sign up in their party or they have to circulate petitions again. Oh. And, and again, how do our vote voters break down? Okay, I'll, do this, I'll do this in round numbers. Okay. So we're a little over 79,000 Republican active and 4,800 inactive. Uh, independent are 49,000, a little over 49,000. Independent, active, 4,700. Inactive, Democrat, 34,000, a little over. Everything I'm giving is just, just, I'm rounding it down a little bit. And then 26,000 inactive. And our Libertarians, oh, I can't read that in the yellow very well. Well, you're, uh, uh, you've 13, been... 1,300. Classifying them as active and inactive. What's the difference? I did that on purpose. (laughs) Because if you are, if you move, when they send out mail, it always goes non-forwardable. That way, if you've moved, it comes back to us and it gives us that opportunity to reach out to you to say, where are you? Your mail's come back because our job is to get you the right ballot. Because you can move literally in the same neighborhood a couple streets over and you may be in a different district. So we have to know where you're at so we get you the right ballot. So if you don't respond to us within 35 days, you become inactive. You're not off the rolls. You're just inactive. And then you have up to two federal cycles. to You can go in and vote at one of Lynn's vote centers and vote a provisional ballot. You can contact us. You can re-register, go online, Service Arizona, and become active again. But you have two federal cycles before you're actually canceled from the list. So two federal cycles. So about four years, you're saying, roughly? Depending on when you become inactive, it's two to four years. Okay. Yes. Okay, and so that brings up about, there's been a lot of 
concern, discussion all throughout the country, but also especially here in Arizona, about changes and, and people being um, knocked off the voter rolls. Right. I know that there was a lot of pending legislation, and a lot of it actually passed. Some of it has more impact than others. Could you give us an update and run us through what happened in the state legislature regarding voting rights? Well, the first one, uh, speaking of that, is it was SB 1485, brought by Senator Eugenti Rita. And at first, it was not very favorable. We talked, we worked with the sponsor. We worked really close with the governor's office. Because if you missed, if you didn't use your mail ballot even once, you would be not kicked off the rolls, but taken off the permanent early voter list. And so we worked at that sponsor and said, we, you can't do that. You know, we have independent voters. We have people who move. We're a very transient country right now, just not, you know, much less than here in our state is much more. And so now the way that that bill works is if you don't use your your mail ballot in, in a, two federal cycles, or it will be a total of four years, four years, yes, four years, four years then you will be, you'll get a notice from us saying you haven't used your early ballot. Now, you can still go in and vote in person, but if you haven't used the ballot that was mailed to you in those four years, you'll get a notice from us saying you haven't used your ballot. Do you want to remain on the, and if this passes, the active early voter list also changed that. So, so nobody will be kicked off without being notified? Is Correct. That- and they have 90 days to contact us back. They had a full 90 days to let us know, oh, I want to stay on, that's fine, or no, I want to go off, or if we don't hear from you, then you go just to regular in-person voting. But you can always sign up again. There's no no limit. And if you use your ballot, you stay by mail, right. you stay on the rolls. Right. So basically the, the, the P was removed from Pebble, make it an Evel, but, <laughs> but you can keep it permanent if you just keep using it. Is that what you're saying? Yes. And the one thing that the governor insisted on it was just for a primary and general election. He came back and said, no, it needs to be all elections because some people are just mostly concerned about their local elections. Mm -hmm. So those have to be included. And the way if there is a referendum out right now, so we don't know if this is actually going to become law on September 30th or not. If a, and I'll let Lynn explain referendums a little more. Okay. Let's get to that in a second. I just have one follow-up there. So if somebody is mailed their ballot, but they don't mail it back, and they want to use one of the other methods, like they have their mail-in ballot, but they want to vote in person after all for whatever reason, does that invalidate their mail-in ballot? It doesn't – well, it it doesn't – it does invalidate it because you only get one ballot. So if you were to come in in person, and we had some people do that because of what was being talked about through our media, mm-hmm. come in and say, I don't want to vote this ballot. I want to receive one. Mm-hmm. Well, then you don't get credit for using your mailed ballot. So, for so this that bill, could end up with you being kicked off the list if you do that a couple of times. Well, you only have to use it once in that four years. Mm-hmm. Use your mail ballot once in that four years to stay on there. And so no one will even see anything until 2025 should this bill get enacted. Okay. Yeah, 1485 is, was, has been very controversial because it's right. looked at as a voter suppression tactic right. because it's making it harder for people to vote. Uh, as we mentioned before, there's a referendum um, in the works. And can you tell us a little bit about how the, the referendum 
works. So how the legislature works is their bills go into effect 90 days after they finish up, you know, and they close down for the session. So they um, ended on June 30th and everything goes into effect on uh, September 30th. And in that time, if there's anything you don't agree with that they enacted, you can take out a petition through the Secretary of State's office and you can get signatures from voters around the state to make that law not go into effect and to bring it to the voters instead. So there's a group out right now, I believe, they're circulating petitions for that one and a couple others that went into effect or that were passed. And they're trying to get them onto next November, November 2022 ballot as referendums. Mm -hmm. And basically it goes to the people and it says, do you want this to go into effect? So if people think that 1485 was a was a bad law, that they don't like the fact that it passed, they need to find a way to sign that petition, Mm -hmm. possibly by contacting their local um, party office. Democrats of the Red Rocks, I know, has petitions for anybody out there who wants to sign them. Uh, and if the if they get enough signatures, then that is forces that to go to the voters next November. Right. So, so it basically, the referendum could just stop the law. It stops Correct. it. It stops it temporarily, basically, until mm-hmm. the voters get to vote on it. Okay. Yeah. And that's what the referendum does. Yes. So what what other changes were there in uh, in the state legislature this year? Oh, some of the laws that they passed are things that we already do. Okay. Uh, we talked about that a little bit earlier. If you they passed a law saying that. You cannot send somebody a ballot if they have not requested it. Well, the way the law read before is you can only send a ballot if somebody requests it. So they were just codifying the law that if you don't sign up for the, uh, we'll call it the permanent early voter list. We don't know if that law will change its name. If you don't sign up for that or you don't let us know, you don't get to get a ballot. By mail. Uh, by mail. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can always go and vote in person. Yes. Correct. As Correct. long as you have, what do you need to do that? You need ID and you need yes. to be registered. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. yes. So we'll talk about that a little bit more about what kind of ID is needed and how somebody actually registers if they're not. Okay. But please go yeah. on. Uh, another one was now on the mail ballot envelope. It will say, you know, if resident is not, if this is not the correct resident... It'll say this. Yeah. Yeah. If addressee does not reside at this address, mark the box and return to United States Postal Service. Okay. Uh, Because people do move. Like I say, we've got a very transient neighborhood. So this one here, that one's not bad at all. And a lot of people do that anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another law that they passed was that the Secretary of State will get death records and they will bump those off of our voter registration rolls. We've always... Well, as long as I've been in office, I believe as long as Lynn has mm-hmm. been here, and she's been here twice as long as I have, they have always done that anyways. Now it's just in law saying that they will get death records. They get them every month. They run them against our voter, the statewide voter registration database, and if there's a hard match, those people are taken off of the rolls. If, it, if it's a soft match, meaning every point doesn't match, they send it to us to investigate and to research. Okay. Yeah, and there's another one that says that we have to put numbered tamper evidence seals on all the voting equipment. We've always done that. Um, it's always been in the procedures manual to do that. So this just codifies it in the law that that's what we'll be doing. Mm-hmm. So some of that helps you procedurally mm-hmm. in your office. But and again, you again we're here with Leslie Hoffman, our county recorder, Yavapai County recorder, and Lynn Constable, the Yavapai County elections director. Uh, in the time that you've been there, again, you know. 
almost 10 years for you, uh, Leslie, and 17 years for you, Lynn. Has it gotten harder to vote? Um, I don't believe it has. No. I mean, not in Yavapai County. Like last year, Leslie put in how many extra drop boxes so that people yeah. could drop off their yeah. mail ballots. I mean, we have 19 now, right. mm-hmm. 19 drop boxes countywide. So, you know, and those are official boxes. Uh, we check them all the time, you know, when uh, we have elections going on. So you should feel secure in dropping them off. Right. If somebody uses their, if they receive their ballot by mail and they drop it in a drop box, does that still count because they use mm-hmm. that mail ballot? Oh, absolutely. So that yes. counts toward absolutely. preserving them on the early voter list? Yes. Yes, even right. if they drop it off at a vote center. Mm-hmm. So if you mm-hmm. get your ballot in the mail and you want to drop it off at a vote center on Election Day, we have uh, areas that you can drop it off, and that still counts as using your mail ballot. Okay. So the best way for a voter to preserve them being on the early vote list is to use that ballot. Mm-hmm. At least once every four years. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Very good. And and when are ballots counted? There's always been some question about that, about the ones that get mailed in. Are they first? Are they last? Versus what happens on on actually Election Day. Now, you mentioned 19 drop boxes throughout the county, which is, I think, great. You know, we always want to do things to make it easier for people to get their ballots in. So that's a a real positive. Um, But are they secure? And when do those ballots get picked up? And what's the cutoff if somebody puts them in at the last minute? That's a lot of questions. That. That is a lot of questions. Well, thank God you're experts. <laughs> when we're picking up those drop boxes, we have a log that we keep how many come in on every day, whether it's a morning pickup, an afternoon pickup, or some of our busier ones, we do it morning and night. So we know how often to pick them up, and we don't release that schedule because that's part of our security. Mm-hmm. But people go out, we have bipartisan teams that go out to those boxes, they have hideous bright yellow vests that they wear they're in one of our election vans it's either we have two vans one says elections one that says recorder with the big logo on it they have keys that are different for all 19 drop boxes and there's two locks on each drop box and each of those locks are different so if one were to fall off you couldn't get into any drop box so they are monitored we have half of our drop boxes are on camera and we have others like uh, the one at in the uh, fire station, we've got one over at the fire station in the village of Oak Creek. Mm-hmm. So that is, you know, at least there's traffic there 24 hours a day. And that's one of the main things that one of the main things we do when we're putting them in high traffic area known to public and easily accessible for drive up. And I know you, you, you worked with localities. Tell me a little bit more about that in identifying locations for the drop boxes. Yeah, yeah. We uh, actually we started with all the cities and towns in uh, Yavapai County, except for Cottonwood and Prescott, because we have offices in Cottonwood and Prescott, so we put them at the county offices. But any of the other cities and towns have a drop box, an official ballot drop box, and then we started working with other. Um, entities throughout, like fire stations. Um, we have office. one at a post office, not at the post office, but near the post office, like in Skull Valley, mm-hmm. and libraries. Yes. We started working with libraries. And like Leslie said, we wanted to find places where you could actually just drive up and drop them off. You don't even have to get out of the car. Um, they're ADA accessible. Um, and I think we've done a really good job. Yes. So um, 
when are those ballots counted? So they're picked up. You explain that process yeah. with the with the great yellow vest. Yeah. Which yeah. I now want in one. A sealed container. <laughs> in a sealed container. Yeah, we have seals on the, when they pick them up. They put them in containers. Put a numbered seal on them. So that's all tracked as well. Mm-hmm. And then um, once Leslie gets them in, she can do signature verification right away. And every single signature on every single ballot is verified. Wow. We always get that question. So we they do every single one and a person looks at it. Right. At least one person. And then they can transfer them over to the elections department. Now, it used to be that I couldn't start counting until 14 days before the election, but there actually was a law that went through this last year, and um, in the end of September, I can start tallying right away. So as soon as I receive them, I can start tallying. And what happens is I try to get them all tallied by election night, by um, when the polls close on election night, and that first um, upload of results um, in a big election happens at 8 o'clock, and those are all the early ballots that I've done throughout the whole month. And usually it's no vote centers, but if you look at um, our results uh, just on the county website, it'll say that it's early ballots and X number of vote centers reporting. And then that number changes throughout the night until we get to 25 vote centers. Okay. But the early ballots, we don't count any more early ballots that night. So I kind of cut it off at 7 o'clock. We don't count any more because we have to switch over and count vote center ballots that night. Okay. So on election night, the numbers that are coming in, the first ones posted are the early ballots. And then as the vote centers come in. Correct. So and. Is that a quick process, or you must have a lot of hands to make light work there? We have a lot of hands. A lot of of people. And Mm -hmm. this last year, one of the uh, great things that came out of the COVID, it came out of COVID is Lynn and I went to our board and said, we need extra people, especially in the primary. No one wanted to work. They were scared. Mm -hmm. And and then the governor passed a, a... uh, like it was like a resolution, it just was saying an executive that order. executive order saying that the state employees that they would pay them to go and help counties, if as long as their supervisors allowed it. So we went to our board and said, "Can we do that for our county employees? If we're going to be paying, let's help our county employees." And they said, "Absolutely." So we had a policy change similar to what jury duty would look like. Mm-hmm. And so we had a lot of our county employees whose supervisors allowed them that day off, but they didn't have it. They got paid a stipend for working, but they didn't have to take PTO on vacation. It was an extra perk for them. And our poll workers, they loved it because just having a county employee Mm -hmm. there, they just felt uh, like they had more support. Mm -hmm. And and it was great for Lynn because in the the election, in the – primary election it she had challenges yeah we had challenges getting poll workers for the primary by the time the general came around though we had so many applicants that uh, we had too many workers but uh, that's a good thing i like having too many workers to have but we do hire seasonal workers um some come back every single year i had one seasonal worker come back for 20 years um every election and she helped out on the early boards um opening ballots and getting them ready for counting um some work just one season but um i hire about 50 seasonal workers for a large election wow and i have about 20 Wow. Well, you need a lot of people because, as you said before, you're verifying every single signature. Right. Um, And how exactly is that verified? And what happens, an example, here I go with peppering you with questions again. Okay. Uh, um, So 
I'm, I go by Kathy, mm-hmm. I, but my name is Kathleen. What if I mess up and use the one that I'm not registered by? That's, if, you, if you sign Kathy and your last name, we're not taught to read a signature. We're, we do a handwriting, forensic handwriting analysis classes every other year. All my staff does, all of Lynn's staff does. Um, and so we're looking for the specific characteristics in your name. And we know that Kathleen is usually short for Catherine or Kathleen. And we're looking for that signature. Your last name's going to stay the same, and your C or your K is going to be the same. And we're looking for how far you go below the line. Are you, for, are you writing with a forward slant, a backward slant? Uh, or in my case, a scrawl. Yeah. <laughs> right, and, that, and that's why we don't, we're not reading that signature as much as we're looking for the characteristics. And we may have five or six different samples of your signature throughout the years where you've signed up, you, you register to vote online, then you change your voter registration on paper, and then you sign up for the early voter list. We'll capture those signatures because nobody signs the same way every single time. So we have variations of your signature be- our job is to count those ballots, to get them verified and get them counted. Okay, so if somebody drops their middle initial, they, they, they won't be not no, counted. No, but if it doesn't match, you're going to get a call, an email, a text. If there's enough time, a piece of mail to say, this doesn't match, please give us a call. Well, that's and, a good question, too. Has that changed in the law this year? Because there was a bill pending that would do that. Did that one change as well, that you have less time to do signature verifications or to correct a ballot if something's wrong on it? What other kind of errors are there on ballots that need correction? Missing missing signature. Missing signature. And what we have done, that was something that was passed that was codified, that after 7 p.m., if the signature is not there at all, it can't be corrected. Someone can't come in and add their signature to an affidavit envelope after 7 p.m. You can come in and... Fix your signature. If do it's you wrong. have to know that yourself, though, or do you get do you notify people that the signature is missing? We'll notify them, but just not up until once seven o'clock is there. We're not going to make any calls, and if we've called you, and sometime during that previous twenty-seven days that we may have received you received that ballot, then you can't come in after seven p.m. on election day for a missing signature. But there is a five-day cure period for mismatch signatures on a general election and three days for uh, for the August for the primary election and any other election. Okay, so that, that has not changed, that, that period for um, verification. Right. right, and when you have a mismatch signature, it's not just one person saying that, you know, I can't read your signature and I'm just going to reject this. We have a group of people that look at all the mismatch signatures. So... Um, you know, I've looked at them, Leslie's looked at them, they get uh, elevated up. And then once we all agree that, yeah, this can't possibly be this person or, um, and and it happens, like if I broke my arm and I'm right-handed, it's not going to look like my signature because I can't use that hand anymore. So um, it does happen. And a lot of times we'll just make the call and they'll be like, yeah, I broke my arm. Sorry about that. I had to sign with my left hand or I had my wife sign it for me or my husband sign it for me. And as long as we can verify that, then we can so 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 somebody could verify yes I signed for that person and that would still count what about uh, if somebody takes the ballot for that person though there's been controversy about that as well ballot harvesting right supposedly is the term Um, can I bring my infirm neighbors ballot to a drop box or to a polling site only if you're their caregiver 
the way that the law reads is you have to be husband or husband and wife can bring their ballot relative in. relative yes relatives and your, so your a parents. son a daughter mm-hmm. yeah yeah yes, yes. yes what about a niece or a nephew mm-hmm. yeah relatives mm-hmm. relatives yeah. and if you're a caregiver mm-hmm. you can do that or the post office yeah or election officials a weekend because we're going out and collecting boxes post office mm-hmm. is collecting mail so they can as well but if it's just your neighbor just a friend then the law does not allow for that okay so if somebody needs some help they need to let a relative know or they need to get in touch with your office yes right what is the best way for people who have questions to get to in touch with you guys either by phone or by email Okay. So our uh, main line is 928-771-3248 for voter registration, and it also rings into elections. Right. And um, it, it, we actually have a little queue, and you can just press the button for who you want. And we also have emails, so like web.elections at yavapiaz.gov or web.voterregistration at yavapiaz.gov, and we monitor those uh, emails all the time. Yes. So for any questions we're not getting to today, they can contact you. Again, we are here with Leslie Hoffman, the county recorder, and Lynn Constable, the Yavapai elections director. So exactly who can vote? Some people think that non-citizens can vote. Is that true? Can you clarify that? Sure. Uh, you have you are signing whenever you sign a voter registration form. You are swearing under oath that you are a citizen. Um, if you sign up and we cannot verify if you don't provide citizenship and we cannot verify your citizenship, then you're only entitled to vote a federal only ballot. So you only get federal races. Okay. Uh, most people, what we see that most people sign up on a federal voter registration form. Because it's a lot easier, a lot less questions to ask, and they might not put that proof on. But once it comes into our office, we do what we call a HAVA check. It goes out to motor vehicles, Social Security, all the information we have. And if we can get that signature, if we can get that citizenship verified, then you become what we call a full ballot voter. If it doesn't, then you are a federal-only voter, but we send you a letter and say, just so that you know, this is what we, you know, we were not able to verify citizenship. You'll only get a federal ballot. And if you want a full ballot, please send in proof of citizenship. Most of the time, that's what they do. We get a call in, and they say, what do I need to provide? They will bring that in. But you're still signing under oath that you are a citizen. So a lot of that, the federal ballot issues have been around college campuses, yes. where um, it's maybe not somebody's permanent address, but it's it's where they're living. And uh, federal federal registration is something that enables only voting on that federal level, though. But you're yes. saying that, that you'll, you guys go the extra mile and try to qualify somebody for full ballot. Absolutely. Yes. That's great to know. And what about those who've been convicted of a crime? How does one get their voting rights restored? That is between the, the individual and the courts. And because we don't double check that. You're signing saying that you haven't been, that you're not a felon and that your rights, you have not been adjudicated incompetent. If you re-register, then we take that registration in because we get a notice every month from the Secretary of State also of anybody who's been uh, convicted of a felony or been adjudicated incompetent, and then they are removed from the rolls. You can re-register once you have met all of the, all the qualifications, and depending on if it's your first felony or second or, or third, there's different qualifications on whether it's automatic or you have to... Uh, petition the court. Petition the courts, yes. Okay. All right, so then... 
you're ready to vote, you go in to a, a live voting site, and what ID do you need? Ah, so ID at the polls. So the mostly you just need your Arizona driver's license. And if you bring that in, we can just scan that, bring up your record, and you're good to go. It has to still be valid, so it can't be expired. But um, that's a really good form of ID for, for Arizona. Basically, you have to have one form of ID with name and address that matches what's on the rolls, or two forms of uh, just name and address, so like a utility bill, a car registration, car insurance. Um, there's a whole list of them. Or you can have you can mix and match. So let's say you've moved, you still have your driver's license with your picture and your name, and then you have a utility bill from your new address. You can bring those two items in. So it's uh, one of one, two, or three. And what if you don't drive at all? You know, you can get a state ID. My mom actually has a state ID um, because she doesn't like to drive anymore. She's in her 80s. So um, you can also use that. Um, there's also a military ID that has a picture. Um, it has a picture and a name, and then you can pair that with a utility bill or a cell phone bill. Um, what else? Oh, it's any, it's any government-issued um, yeah. ID, so if it has your picture and your name, you can use it with something else. So that ID is good when I show up to vote, but how, what ID do I need to register? Oh, that's different. The, right. That <laughs> See, is that, that's where yeah. people get confused. It, Things are different. Very much. Because when you register to vote, if you want to be a full ballot voter, you have to have citizenship. If you have a driver's license that was issued after October of 1996, which most of us have, that, is, that qualifies because you have to verify citizenship for that. Passport, birth certificate, tribal ID, or your alien registration number, which is your naturalization number. Okay. All right, great. And um, does somebody need to send in ID now with their mail-in ballots? No. 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 Okay, because I think that was another pending bill. <laughs> yeah, it was pending. It was pending. Yeah, it didn't pass. Okay. This mm -hmm. time. Yeah. So let's switch a little bit and talk about, you know, different types of elections that you have. So there's the primary election. Um, who votes in the primary? We talked about those three recognized parties, Democratic, Republican, Libertarian. But what happens to somebody who's not registered in one of those parties? How can they vote in a primary? So what I do for a primary is I make ballots up for each of those three parties. And uh, an independent can pick one of those ballots to vote on. There's not really an independent ballot. Now, we do have cities and towns that, are, that run in the primary in the even-numbered years. So we do have a nonpartisan ballot. So if you happen to live in one of those cities and towns and you're an independent, you can pick that ballot. But it won't have anything else on it. It won't have any of the higher races like governor or president on it. It'll just have your town's um, stuff on it. So, But they have to pick one and only one. They don't get all of them. Um, when they get sample ballots in the mail, they get all of them so that they can look at them and see which one they want to choose, but they only still get to pick one. Okay. And we send a notice out 90 days before uh, a primary election saying, you know, you are an independent, which party ballot would you like? If you are on the permanent early voter list, you do get that notice. But if you forget, a lot of people look at it, they don't really realize what it is, and they throw it out. They can always call us. They can email and say, 
you know, and we'll ask some qualifying questions. I can't just give you my name. You know, we're going to ask a birth date, something to make sure that we're talking to that voter and say, I need a, you know, a Democrat. A liber- well, libertarian is closed. You can only be a registered libertarian to get a libertarian ballot. But if you want to get a Democratic or Republican, then just let us know by email, call, and we'll send it right out to you. Okay. But if you are registered in a party, you can only vote in that party's primary. You can't Correct. request a different one. Right. right. And like Leslie said, you can't vote in the Libertarian. They closed that several years ago, and they can open it if they want to, yeah. but they have to notify the state that it's going to be open again. Okay. So now we've walked through you know, how you register, how you receive your ballot, how you're going to turn your ballot back in. Now here's the important part. You're choosing a candidate. How do candidates get on the ballot? So candidates um, can get on the ballot by circulating petitions. Um, They have to get a certain percentage, and we have to look at the voter registration figures. We look at the party numbers, and we figure out the percentage. And then they circulate petitions um, in their district, and they have to get voters that can vote for them in the primary. So, like, if they're a Democratic candidate, they have to get other Democrats or independents to sign their petitions. And then they turn them into my office if, if it's one of the offices I take in, um, or the state, or the school superintendent, or the, yeah, there's many filing offices. And then those all get sent to me, and that's how we put them on the ballot. Now, they can also be write-in candidates, but that means that there's a space with a with a line on the ballot for somebody to write them in, but their name will not be there. They have to kind of do their own advertising and say, hey, write me in for this race. So, uh, and they don't have to do petitions. They just have to fill out a form to become an official write-in. Okay. Right. That's something that a lot of people forget that Mickey Mouse usually has not filed the proper paper to be a, an official write-in. <laughs> yeah, we don't count the Mickey Mouses. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, it, they might win. <laughs> so, okay, last-minute emergencies. It's election day. I'm not on the permanent early voting or the Evel now, the early voting list. Um, uh, so I'm ready to go to the ballot, but my car breaks down. Something happens. What 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 happens with um, last minute voting emergencies or any way to vote after that deadline or? We, well, do? there's emergency voting. That Monday before we have emergency voting. If you you're, something happens, you can't get to the polls on election day. You can come in, you send an affidavit, and you can vote an emergency voting at. Prescott or over here in Cottonwood, either one of our offices. So in person, in at, person. at the office. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yes, we don't, we discourage sending ballots out uh, after that 11th day before the election because we are concerned that they won't get to you and back to us in time. We also have travel boards that go out for emergencies. They go to the extended care facilities, whether it be nursing home, assisted living. Mm-hmm. We were, we couldn't last year, of course. So that was very sad that we couldn't get out there. But we'll go out before voter registration cutoff to help those people. And then during the early voting period, we'll go back again if the facility asks us to come back out. And we'll get, and most of those are on the mail, but they want to come in. Maybe they are visually impaired and they might need some assistance. And we have bipartisan teams who go out. Or if you're at home, we've had many, many home calls and hospital calls. That's what that board does. We have an emergency team that will go out. Even on Election Day, if there's any way we can get to you, we will. And we will even help other counties. We have our voters end up in in other counties and vice versa. And we all help each other out as well, sending our travel teams out to 
our voters? That's a good question as well. So say I live in Yavapai County, but I work in Coconino, and I drop my ballot in a drop box in Coconino County on Election Day. What's going to happen to that ballot? We're not going to receive it in time to count. Right. Um, if they do get it before Election Day, um, we if we get them before Election Day, we put them back in the mail and send them to the right county. And we've even overnighted them the day before. Oh, yeah. But if you do it at the last minute, we're just not going to get it in time. We have to have it. It has to be in your county recorder's office by 7 p.m. on election night. Otherwise, we cannot count it. It's a late ballot. And sending them out even by overnight mail, that's your county policy. Do all the counties do that? Yeah, I, I can. Sh- we've I never not got them from any of the counties. Yeah, right? I think they do. Yeah. It's okay. not in law. You're right. It's right. a policy, but I think okay. it's an understanding between the county recorders right. that they're going to do that. And Leslie mentioned that um, they help out other counties. We actually had a person from, I believe it was La Paz County, mm-hmm. and they had they ended up in the hospital up here, and they faxed us, uh, well, they emailed, emailed it. it. They emailed a uh, blank ballot to us. We printed it out, and we sent travel boards out, and then we uh, yeah. sent it back. Yeah, sealed it up in an envelope. And yeah. the very next day... We had a voter call that was in the hospital in Flagstaff, so I called Patty. I said, Patty, can you help us out? Yeah, so yeah. we, you know, all of the election officials we work with, our goal is to register every qualified person who wants to and tabulate every ballot that we can. You mentioned Patty. That's Patty Hansen yes. from yes. Coconino County, yes. who is your counterpart, the yes. uh, the county recorder up there. I know you work very closely together and that's especially important to a a city like Sedona which is two-thirds in Yavapai County and one-third in Coconino County so it's reassuring to the voters here to know that you guys are working together. Do you have those same relationship with other counties? Yes. Yes. Maricopa we share some with Maricopa. Wickenburg. Mm -hmm. Yeah we share Wickenburg with Maricopa and a little bit of Peoria but there's nobody in that (laughs) area of Peoria that yeah, that votes. There's no voters in there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we know all of them. Like, there's only 15 counties in the whole state, so we know all 30 election officials. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not hard close. to know all 30 people. And I was gonna, one thing I wanted to point out too. If you like, for this last year, we know it was going to be busy. We shared our ballot box with Coconino and Susan, the town clerk, city clerk. She was so good. She helps out because we work really close with our town clerks too. Great. And so we shared that box. Patty said, can we share? I said, sure. Mm-hmm. Put a sign on there. So that way people still had a drop box there in Sedona. But we can separate them out. And we have different color envelopes. We're pink and they're yellow. yellow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Is that every year, pink and yellow? Or do you switch off? Does that? We have switched off. That, yeah, the we, colors of the we used to be green, but then everybody went to green. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Maricopa and Yuma and several counties went to green, so we went. We need to find something really unique. And Patty, oh, maybe you should match those yellow vests you keep talking about. Well, <laughs> yeah, well that's Patty. Yeah, okay. Patty does yellow. Patty does yellow, so okay. we had to find a color that nobody else had and was, okay. and it stood out. Mm-hmm. So, again, you know, talking about all things election, um, and you sound like you're very helpful in trying to get people to vote. So, Again, what are those numbers, the best numbers to call if they're having trouble, if they have questions? What numbers should they call ahead of time about registration? And what numbers should they call on Election Day if they have an issue? 928-771-3248. That gets to both departments. Mm -hmm. Great. And what is the best way for somebody to register to vote? Is there a quick, easy way to do that? Yes. ServiceArizona.com. 
that we get 70% of our registrations, and, ch- and you can change. If you just need to change something, go on to servicearizona.com, and you can register up until 11.59 on the cutoff date that way. Okay. We're not going to be there at 11.59, but you can go on to Service Arizona and register. Okay. And I know there's always a need for paid poll workers, right? Uh, you guys need help. We talked about that before. Um, what does it pay, and how does one apply? It pays anywhere from 115 to 200 dollars per election. It's a stipend, and you can apply online. We have a poll worker application. So if you go to our website, uh, to the county website, it's yavapiaz.gov and backslash go vote. Then there's a poll worker application on there that you can apply. Okay, great. And again, we're here with um, Leslie Hoffman, the county recorder, and Lynn Constable, the election director. I want to thank you both so much. I uh, want to make sure that I do get in the thank yous to our program sponsors, Democrats of the Red Rocks, which has office hours on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday from 11 to 3. And you could go on their website, Democrats of the Red Rocks. Dot com and find out information on if you want to sign that referendum. Uh, and thank you to Yavabai County Democrats and to El Portal Hotel, which has such a charming courtyard, great location, and great breakfast available. So it's been really interesting talking. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show focusing on the political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and our nation at large. Catch us every Monday morning after the 8 a.m. news, right here on AM 780 KAZM. It's beautiful out there, folks. Have a great day.